Quick headline of a couple of uh, news and notes. We still don't have any clarity on the future of the the Pac-12, though. I mean, again, if these numbers are legit, I don't know how you can stay in the Pac-12 and not go to the Big 12. Because you're basically, if if that's there for all four of those schools, three one's already there. I don't know how you can't go with uh, with all due respect to the fact that I haven't read the story, right? But read this off the text line. Somebody texted in and said that Tram reported that up to sixteen, as long as they're Power Five, full shares for the Big Twelve. Yeah, and again, you're only getting a pro rata deal from ESPN right now, so I, I. I think that's awesome, and I hope it happens, right? I think it'd be great. Yeah, it'd be huge for the Big 12. But where's that money coming from? I, I, do ESPN and Fox, are they just going to say, hey, full share? It, right. I, and I, can, I don't know. Because right now, it's only ESPN that has that in their contract. Fox can be like, yeah, we're whatever you got there, we're, we're, already, we're already paying you. So Fox is a partner right now, the Pac-12? Right, but they've already said they're not going to be in in 2024 in their new, and new deal. Yeah, right. Because they've got USC and UCLA. So this isn't there. magically Obviously. Fox is going to wind up saving money uh-uh. by no. Fox is going to wind up spending money. Right, right. They've they've ended up spending more. So they, I just I can't fathom that Fox would be like, yeah, we'll pay you more. Maybe ESPN, but again, that's the only that's the only entity. So if, if I have no reason to ever doubt. Barry, but if you're giving that a full share, uh, when you get to 14 based on this number, let's just say so pro rata doesn't mean you're paying him a full a full share. I mean, at least from a TV, it's a portion of it. So I guess I don't understand. I'm not going to pretend to be a math guy or a finance guy, but everyone just basically says, oh, yeah, they'll make the numbers work. And I'm like, how? Well, so, and is it – what what were – Two hundred million from Apple TV. That's the rumor. We don't know any of the numbers, and, and it's not official. But right. that's sort of what's gotten floated around well, out there. And I thought Bob Thompson on Twitter brought up a great point. I don't think George Klivkoff is going to present a deal that's just twenty million dollars per school because oh, if he does, it's over because he knows they're not going to be able to take it. Here's the great thing about this right now is in my history of covering these types of stories, and now that this has moved to the private meetings, no one's going to be able to keep their mouth shut in there because somebody's going to feel like going one direction. Another person says, no, we got to go in this direction. If I'm talking about the Arizona Board of Regents, and it's going to get out. Someone's going to leak it to someone else. Well, we're going to have a war of reporting here in probably about five hours or so. Don't you think that there's a decent chance that that leak of 200-some-odd million from Apple TV is strategic? Well, I mean, don't you think that there's something maybe to it? Because oh, yeah. why, why would you not have presented a media rights deal uh, at this point? When I mean, George Klaivkoff is not a dummy. I know that he's getting made out to be this, oh, he's bungled this situation and this and that. And in a lot of ways he has. He didn't get this position because he's some big dummy. No, he, that's the whole thing. So just... probably he knows uh, I don't have a very good deal yet. And that's why he hasn't presented it. I think you're 100% right, and the whole the deal gets better as we wait. I don't know if I'm buying that. So, no news as of right now on that front, but we are monitoring it. Uh, the Florida State, let me make sure I get this title correct. The uh, And again, because you get to a point where a lot of people 
want to make sure that their side is being told. But one of the members of the Board of Regents for Florida State went on Warchant.com and basically said that the grant of rights was not going to be an insurmountable gap. Or excuse me, I'm, excuse me. The uh, grant of rights is not going to be a document that will keep them from taking action. So that's fascinating, too. Where does Florida State fit in? By the way, Florida State's not leaving the ACC for the Big 12. Florida State's leaving the ACC to try to get in the SEC or the Big 10. But that's, that's where we are right now at 10.07 a.m. No news. And I gave a timestamp because if you're listening on the podcast, all this could be old news by now. <laughs> if you're listening later in the day, this can all be old. All right. I took out uh, 10 things from yesterday's media availability with the assistant coaches. All right, let me be specific, uh, be specific here. With head coach Brent Venables and the two coordinators. We're going to do coaches tomorrow. But – I, no particular order, just some things. And we talked about this a little bit in hour one, but Jeff Levy and kind of where he feels like Dylan Gabriel can continue to improve and progress. Yeah, I, I absolutely do. You can put a little more on Dylan. And, again, he's he's now played a ton of ball. And this is a guy that, you know, stay healthy. He's going to go – I mean, I, I would like to think he's going to be a top ten passer in the history of college football. You know, and that's – that's something that, uh, that that matters. You know, he's going to have a ton of production. He's had a bunch of production. He's got to play better. I got to call it better. We've said that, um, but that guy allows you to put a lot on the entire unit because he's played a whole bunch of ball. And that number does add up. Uh, if he has just a season like he did last year, yardage wise, I think the number would have him have him all the way up to like seven or six all time on the career passing number. Which did lead to this on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line, which did crack me up, 405-651-3439. Because the question was asked, or the research was done, but I, uh, I was still wondering how many, how many of those guys won a national championship. I mean, zero in the top ten had won a national championship of the career-passing yardage leaders which led to this one from the 405. So what you're saying is we don't want him to be up on the top 10 of career passing yardage leaders. No, no, no. We want him to break through that barrier. We want him to be the guy that breaks through. There's Dylan Gabriel, top 10 national champion. What does, uh, what does he need to do to stay just outside the top 10? <laughs> <laughs> well, what do we need to add? We need to keep him on the end. All right. So that's one thing from Levy. We talked about it earlier. Both assistant or both coordinators were asked about being better on third and fourth down. So let's go since we just heard from Coach Levy with Jeff talking about the key to being better on third and fourth down for Oklahoma. Yeah, I mean the the immediate obviously is just third down, fourth down. You know we've got to be better in those situations. Uh, we spent a lot of time on that in the off season last spring, through the summer. You know accuracy is a huge part of it. Protection is a huge part of it, and then. Route detail is something we've talked a ton about with the with the receiving crew. So uh, it's a group effort, me putting us in the right play and, and then being able to go out and execute cleanly. Route detail. I don't heard that one too terribly often. Route detail. As in, we need to be cleaner with our routes? Interesting. Um, here was what Ted Roof, so nine and eight, nine there with Jeff Levy, eight. Ted Roof, all right, so defensively, Coach Roof, how do you get better on third and fourth down? It certainly is emphasized, and you work it, you know, every day in practice on that different situations as far as, uh, 
what your assignment is, what you expect to see in certain third down situations. But the difference in third and second down usually is if you win on third down. And now not as much as a few years ago with analytics, but usually you're coming off the field if you went on third down. Whereas in second down, you still got to play third down. But going back to third and fourth down success, the more success you have on earlier downs, the higher your percentage is to be better on third and fourth down. So it's a combination of a lot of things, but you know, getting off the field. And then also now, you know, because in so many situations, fourth down is like third down was two or three years ago. Teams just go for it. And uh, regard, sometimes regardless of field position. So, uh, you know, our fourth down call menu has to be and the, the two like has to be ex more extensive than it's been in the in the past. Are you saying that there you go. Sorry, bad editing job on my part. But that's been one of my go to takes for a while. And now the rest of the day, I'll wonder what Tram was going to ask. Yeah, I think it. I think it was how can you. Tram seemed to be working on a third, fourth down. How you practice it, how you work on it. Piece. I think Jenny Carlson, based on what I heard, is working on uh, in, uh, integrating your transfers and how you go about choosing transfers. It is kind. On, it is kind of fun following. Yeah. What, what, what are you guys writing about? What are you? What are you looking at? <laughs> just, just snooping around. There, there's a much longer. There's a dance mix cut from Brent Venables on how you continue to get better on third and fourth down that time permitting this hour we'll get to all right now speaking of Brent Venables another thing I took away from yesterday where where he wants to get better I think George Stoya from Sooner Scoop asked all right we hear so much about overall improvement where does Brent Venables want to improve as a head coach yeah my expectations I'll be better in every every single area uh you know even through success, you should continually be improving and getting better. And I've, all, I've said that, you know, lots of times. And, and uh, so there's no area uh, that I can't get better at. So I'm working on all of them. And, uh, and my expectation is um, and you, you know, the best version of me, you know, year two. And, uh, but there's not any one area. Uh, as I stated uh, earlier, I think, Probably um, something that's been affirmed. I've always said from a football standpoint that the further away from the ball you physically get, the, the, you know, the less stress there is in, in many ways. And that's on the football field for the football players. You know, there's much less margin for error uh, the closer to the ball you get uh, with your stance, with your pad level with your footwork with your eyes your hands because everything is on you quick and what I've learned as a head coach uh, and I'm kind of giggling about it just uh, for lots of reasons but uh, no agenda but the further away from the ball you get from from a personnel standpoint and your staff the the more needs uh, you know need to be met or just people are a little more needy you know, and I, so I look back, I said, well, why is that? Because the people, the coaches and the players are where are they at all the time? They're in the locker room and they're on the field and they're in the middle of the doing and the competing and the supporting and the responding and all that. But everybody else out here, they got life going on. And I have great appreciation and value for, the, for, for people that are further away from the ball. But you just got to manage, you know, uh, you got to manage all of their needs and, uh, you know, their wants and things like that. So, yeah, it's been good, um, but you spend a little time 
a little more time because I'm I, again I've said this as well. I'm more like a cactus that you know I don't I'm heavy sun and a little water and so I expect everybody uh, through all my years and on defense everybody's like me right you know you don't need no water and lots of sun right and uh, and I have been pretty good at motivating people inspiring people to be more like me uh, if you will and to just have that, that kind of mindset and. Uh, but that doesn't always work. And I, I always knew that at home. <laughs> uh, you know, you got to change your tune when you go into, the, into your house, but you have a whole staff. Uh, again, there's just a lot going on. Life's going on. And for me to be, you know, the best leader uh, and head coach that I can be, I need to be mindful of all of that. Can you explain the cactus reference to me? Because basically you don't have to do much for a cactus to survive. It can thrive without – anything it just little water just just yeah just a little bit that's what he's saying he's like i don't need much i need to be out there and i need to be grinding football that's what i take from it it's gotcha like, my wife uses the term in describing me to say i'm a simpleton which could go a little bit deeper what's the uh what's the very politically incorrect role that ben uh ben stiller played in the movie tropical thunder that had made him famous <laughs> It's Simple Jack, I think, was the name of the right. character. Is that right? Look at this memory coming back today. Um, great movie. Great, great movie. <laughs> um, but I, I'm like that. You know, I don't need much. But obviously, just just a little football, a little Raiders give football. Me a little, give me a little football. Give me some time to read. Leave me alone whenever I'm engaged in, you know, editing stuff, and I'm fine. You know, that's all I need. And I think I think he's saying, listen, I don't need much. I just need football. He's like, and then you know, not. I don't need. I don't need anyone to tell me I'm doing a good job. I don't need anyone to pat me on the back. I don't need any. But once you know, you get away, you realize there are some people that need a little bit more reassurance, right? They need a little bit more from you than just, hey, I, I gotta go. And, and there's a lot happening as the head coach away from the football, right? I, to me, that was my biggest takeaway from that. Brent Venables learned in year one what Bob Stoops learned, what Dabo Sweeney learned. Uh, and it's basically there's a lot of people that that are intrigued and necessary and needed and also need your time. It's not just your coaching football. You got a lot of things going on, and I think the uh, I think you can tell you learn from that and how to handle it. Even with you know, I know I saw Thad move back to Clemson last night. Even with Thad there last season and and Woody who does an incredible job coach John the director of ops even with that it's still there's a certain layer of hey you gotta go do this or we need you here or you gotta go talk to this and that it's not just it's not just I'm not just saying donors administrators media uh or anything of that nature I'm also saying assistant coaches right because he even said that too you know you got to make sure that they're all taken care of because he might go to an assistant coach. Go, yeah, you got your that's football. Let's go. It's like, no, coach, I I ain't talk to you. You know, I it, it could be a little bit more in depth too. Sure. I kind of took that from it as well. Well, and you have an appreciation, I'm sure, as a defensive coordinator for years and years and years for what what Bill Snyder and Bob Stoops and Dabo Sweeney have done, and then you sit in that seat and you say, oh wow, this is more of a whirlwind than even I thought. Yep. But, and True's right. Brent's talking about high-maintenance people. Yeah, he don't need much. I don't need much. I don't think Josh, you need too terribly much. Just, he's talking about the donors. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. Uh, But I also think that goes across the board. 
You know who you are, donors. Right? There is – we got a break. We got a break. Everyone's wired differently. And maybe for some of even his coaches, that, that grind that he has, it's like, you know, Bob Stoops – Bob Stoops was a great coach. Bob Stoops was even a better person as a coach because he understood, hey, my guys have families. You know, my guys have this. And I think it's one of the, the great lessons that from all the assistants that I've, you know, developed a good relationship with, they took from Coach Stoops is you're going to make sure that this is a family atmosphere. I'm not saying that since no one else has done it or that Brent Venables isn't doing it. That's not my point. But it's just that understanding that you got a job to do. You get paid a lot of money to do that job. But I also understand you have a family that needs you as well. Sure. And, and I think uh, you're more than a paycheck. I think Stoops and Dabo Sweeney both have had that approach. Exactly. All right, so quick break. It is 10-19. Uh, when we come back, what Lebby had to say about Petaway, Ted Roof on Jaron Canick, and much more. It's Plank Show on a Wednesday right here on the Home Sooner Fans. We're uh, going just through some audio clips of our – a handful of takeaways, 10 takeaways from a few things the coaches, coordinators, and head coach Brent Venables had to say yesterday. Quick recap of the takeaways we've had so far. Uh, Lebby on being able to put more on Dylan Gabriel, the guy who by the end of this year could be a top 10 career passing yardage guy in the history of college football. Mm-hmm. Both coordinators on being better at third and fourth down. And Brent Venables, which I thought was one of the coolest answers on being better as a head coach and where he wants to improve and understanding that he's pretty low maintenance guy. A lot of people aren't. <laughs> it's kind of what I think you can take away from it on being less of a cactus, being less of a cactus. I feel like, I feel like if I could have a video portion of this, it would make a lot more sense. It's short. It's sweet. It's to the point you played Jacques or you talked to Jacques Petaway yesterday. Mm-hmm. Here's what Jeff Flebby said about Petaway during his meeting with the media. Yeah, we're going to like Jacquez. He's, uh, he's a guy that's, that's dynamic, but, man, he loves football, and he's serious about being great, and he's an incredible kid uh, that's done everything right, and he's, uh, he's going to have a great career here if he keeps stacking these days like, like we're talking about with, with the rest of the unit. Well, and we heard that from Jacquez too, right? I mean, mm-hmm. he said it. Uh, he said it himself. I'm I'm not a, a night owl. I'm not a let's go out on the town kind of guy. And you know, knock on wood. I hope that that stays the case, right? But uh, you know, he seems like he's just from his own admission. I'm a homebody. I want to work. Neither was I until I got to college. I know, and that's why I say <laughs> knock on wood. <laughs> I never, I I never did anything, anything, Josh. Whatever. I was in high school, and I got to college, and it's like. What is this? It's a whole new world, baby. Magic. But again, I wasn't a finely tuned potential uh, next level athlete like Jaquez Petaway is. Meanwhile, uh, let's go back to back here on a couple because uh, I feel like during this offseason, there hasn't necessarily been a ton of buzz on one Jaron Kanick, right? It just seems to be. Not, hey, who's next, who's coming in, by any Desan stretch of the imagination. Desan McCullough. Right. Desan McCullough. It, it's been a lot of the, the transfer portal guys. Bothroyd on the defense, uh, McCullough, even Reggie Pearson to a certain extent. But here is what Ted Roof had to say about what he's seen in the push to improve and get better from Jaron Kanick. Wait for it. Okay. In what? three. No, it, it was on my end. Oh, okay. okay I'm in sorry. three, two, and one. Uh, he's come a long way, you know, and again – 
I keep going back to the same same statement, but he's put so much into it. Uh, he's one of the guys that's up there all the time working on his own uh, and, again, has earned respect from his teammates. But he's made a lot of strides this summer um, to study things on his own and, and things of that nature. Uh, but he see, he's seeing things a lot better. And so much of, of playing defense is vision and, and reacting and looking at the right things over and over and over and over and over again. Uh, just building up good habits. And, you know, he's always been a, a, a extremely willing, uh, team-oriented first guy. But, again, the, you know, going from being a Wildcat quarterback to Big 12 Mike linebacker, that's, that's a pretty big transition. Uh, and, but he, was, he handled it well and didn't, you know, didn't get discouraged, didn't wallow in what he wasn't able to do or, you know, whatever his role was last year. And it's just focused on moving forward. And as a result of that, he's made a lot of improvements since spring practice. So, again, going back to the theme of competitive depth and competition, once, once, once practice starts, the whole the theme of competition is true at a lot of positions for us. And it's, you know, it's going to be brought out every day. You know, you're going to be challenged and every day. And you know, that's what guys that come to Oklahoma want. They want competition. If guys were scared of competition, they wouldn't come to the University of Oklahoma. Neither would coaches. Hmm. A word from Ted Roof that we heard quite a bit, Josh Helmer. Competition. Yes. Competition quite a bit. Uh, meanwhile, since we're on the individual kick, there's Roof, a Coach Roof on Jaron Kanick. The first question to Brent Venables was around Gentry Williams. He's been on a mission. That's the best way I can describe it. He's uh, – He's locked in, focused, and he's not that he wasn't as a as a freshman, but I don't think it, maybe it's given him an appreciation. I haven't visited with him. Uh, why have I noticed, you know, a different, you know, maybe a a more locked in, zoomed in, mature, driven, ambitious, uh, mission type of mindset? But um, that's what I've seen. Uh, incredible work ethic. Teammates love him. Uh, he's got, you know, great ceiling. All of his best football still in front of him. He's long and he's athletic. He's tough as all get out. A really talented uh, young player. Uh, you know, players really respect him. You know, he's got a, he's kind of a quiet by nature, uh, but he's uh, got tremendous respect in the locker room. Long way for a guy that the injury that he suffered in high school, I can remember hearing a handful of recruiting gurus say, oh, he's just probably not going to be the same guy. Uh, has this or scared, worried about that. Or worried about that, right. A uh, scared, scary moment this offseason with the uh, issue during practice. Yeah, and, during the workout, right? Right, and now here we go into the 2023 season as a second-year player. I mean, I, I think a majority of us have him in that competition to start – opposite Woody Washington and maybe many of us have his have him, what even in the lead right now I again feels I that know. way yeah feels that way right did you get to talk to him yesterday at all I, I didn't no, okay that, that was one of the guys that uh yeah I just for whatever reason it didn't time out okay so yeah and it's, it's tough because you had so many guys and well, so I'm one time. I'm one person there's 20 right exactly players and there's 50 minutes <laughs> right so. and you're trying to get as much as you possibly can um all right so that's a little bit on Gentry Williams from Jeff Levy, from uh, Brent Venables, who I'm, I'm, I'm pretty excited about too. Now, speaking of Jeff Levy, um, 
why is this offense going to be better? Why is this offense going to improve? Why? Why? Why, Josh? Yeah, the thing that comes to mind, Coach V talks about it all the time, but it's competitive depth. We've got more than one guy in every single room at every single position that can go operate and go play at a high level. And I think that today is a little different than where we were a year ago today. Um, So that's going to be a huge part of it, just like we just talked about the rep count and fall camp to be able to get guys ready to go play at a high level and everybody in the room understanding regardless of who's in, we expect to play at a high level. That's the expectation and be able to go score and take care of the football and have ball control and and run the rock and be great situation and it doesn't matter who's in the game. So that's going to be a huge part of fall camp, you know, and again, we're we're in a much better place from a roster standpoint today than we were a year ago today. Mm. There you go. Uh, now, I'm not going to lie to you. I've, I didn't chop up where he was talking about the offensive line, but it didn't, it didn't make this list here. But I think that was one of the more, I don't want to say shocking things, but just at this point to have a coach come out and basically say, well, here's what this offensive line, here's what it's going to look like. It's, it's pretty much pretty much set with Rouse at left tackle, Raym at center, McCain Matar at right guard, and Tyler Guyton at right tackle with a battle at left guard. Now, I saw a few people were a little bit upset whenever Matar's name was mentioned as the potential starter there. That's where I go back to the it's still competitive. I don't think I would sharpie anyone in quite yet. We need to uh, do some digging here, and uh, I don't know when it was at when we were talking to Coach Biedenboe, but Biedenboe says nobody's won a job. <laughs> you okay. know, so that might be, and I know it's the offensive coordinator. That's Jeff Lebby saying basically, hey, here's four out of five starters is how it came across, right? And yet, I don't think you just say, you know, like this is a starting point. Right. When they go out maybe for their first rep in practice. Sure. Maybe is what Lebby's referring to. I don't think anyone's declaring starters right now. And we've seen – especially with the offensive line under Coach Beatenbow, Plank, where we start is not a guarantee this is how it's going to finish. That's right. That's right. Absolutely a bazillion percent. And you've got what appears to be at that guard position, and if I leave anyone out, let me know. But you, you've got Matar, who has transferred in last year from California. Caleb Schaefer is in. Troy Everett's in. Two transfers that appear to be battling in those interior offensive line spots. Savion Bird, who... Not many dudes looked the part like he does, and he had some moments. Oh, did he have some moments during the bowl game against Florida State? Uh, Caden Green, the freshman, and Jake Taylor. I mean, those are just five guys kind of in my little pseudo-depth chart that I put in that mix It could be battling in the interior, along with the one projected guy right now in that slot. So I wouldn't get too fired up either way, because like you said, even Beanbow's like, yeah, no one's – we don't have depth chart yet. But interesting to see that's how they might line up. All right, two more quick ones here. Anything else to add on to that? I think the entirety of the interior offensive line. You know, Rame's oh, clearly the guy. Open. Yeah. Rame's clearly the guy we think at center. But, you know, you listen to Coach Beatenbow and he likes the other two guys there. It's, it's, it's the hardest thing because I just – I don't know how many of us are truly as smart as we want to be on the offensive line. Not, and I don't – Y'all are smarter than me. You can take that and feel better about it. But I just – I don't know 
I don't understand, like, did he do something wrong in what was called? Did he have his response? Is that why he's not playing? Because I watch Savion Bird. I'm like, that dude should be out there all the time. And then Cole Kubelik or somebody yeah, would watch that and be like, oh, yeah. here's 19 different things bro, they did wrong. He stepped wrong here. He crossed over his tackle. He didn't. And you're like, oh, okay. Well, he looked good. I mean, he knocked the guy over. Yeah, he blocked the wrong guy. <laughs> he, was, he was blocking through the whistle. Here, here's uh, just to get through this in 30 minutes. A name that kept popping up. Dejon Terry. Dejon Terry. Here is what Ted Roof had to say about the Tennessee defensive tackle transfer, Dejon Terry. Uh, he's a guy that is a, so far has been a tremendous teammate, uh, a guy that has just come in here and put his nose down and gone to work. And uh, that's the thing that, that stands out. Obviously, he's he's got a lot of experience. Um so again, you know, to bring that experience and, and but his learning curve had to be really fast to catch him up, you know, with the, the guys that were in the system last year. But he has done that and he's accelerated that. And, uh, you know, lo- looking forward to seeing, you know, seeing his contributions and, uh, you know, what he what he brings. But uh, certainly excited about him and really proud of what he's done so far. There you go. Dejon Terry. Where we got an update on Jacob Lacey and his health battle, and I think he re- did he retweet Parker and what Parker said. I think it was Parker and what he said about blood clots and how he's battling and he's doing non-contact stuff. And the Notre Dame transfer uh, will be ready maybe mid late September. The uh, uh, Paya was talked about quite a bit, and he's come back from his ACL. But I, I'm not going to lie to you when Dejon Terry ended up signing out of the portal. It kind of seemed like a bit of a, hey, how about that move, right? No one was losing their mind. We never really do that unless it's – was the Bear Yeah, exactly. Deshaun McCullough, or, everyone wanted – as far as interior guys are concerned, they all wanted the Bear. bear right, that went, to, that went to USC from Georgia. Yeah. Boy, that was an era. But, man, what a – what a sizable amount of buzz on Deshaun Terry. I liked it a lot. Sizable. That was great. Yes. All right, let's break. Uh, 405-651-3439. Here's one thing I, I do, and that's the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. I don't really know if anyone comes away feeling any different about anything outside of maybe a few names popping up. It's almost as if you can take what you've heard from the coaches the last 24 hours and use it to help bury or hammer home your point or your frustration is so high with last year that you're just burying them for anything that they say. I mean, right? It's just it's kind. Of, I need to see it first. Well, this thing called media day, and they've they've got to at least say something. They just can't stand up there and go, "We'll see when we play." But I, I think they're still just based on the reaction on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line, which for the most part has been crickets. To I'm like, wait, don't you guys care about what these coaches have to say? I, I think in that same vein, Josh. We're in a show-me mode, I think, for a lot of these dudes in 2023. With this team. Yeah. I yeah. mean, top to bottom. Yeah, uh, show me. I've only given you nine things, Josh. Oh. We've strategically held back number 10. Uh, and we'll get to it next, right here on The Ref. I hesitate to give the countdown clock. as to not trigger anybody. But 31 days, 16 minutes, and 16 seconds. One month away. There's moments this countdown clock has been in studio, and I think we kind of started it like a month after the season so that you wouldn't look at it and go, 
300 days. I'm starting to come. <laughs> but it's kind of wild to think that we are only 31 days and some change away from the start of the college football season for OU. Less than that. I mean, what are we, 24 days away? Yeah. From week zero, tomorrow from that, night. From, is that, first... from that horrible Notre Dame game. Here's the thing that I just, again, this is old man. Please, let's not try to make week zero, week one. And we we debated this, right, because they're not, well, we're not calling it zero week or week zero this year. It's week one. Like, ah, I feel like we've done this before with things and it never works. Like, No one's going to look at the opening weekend whenever LSU is playing Florida State. You got the Monday game, which is what Clemson and Duke. OU, Arkansas State, you know, all these games that matter to us. No one's going to look at that and go, ah, yes, week two, here we go. <laughs> but we're, we're getting there. Yeah, we, I mean, we made that mistake with the NCAA tournament. Brent Venables, what was the number yesterday that he said? Thir- now 31. 31 days, 24 practices. I mean, it's, it's here. It's not a lot of time to get ready, but there is one story that supersedes and is more important than all, and that is the health of Julie Venables. Coach did give us an update yesterday on how uh, Julie is doing as she battles breast cancer. Here was the update from Coach Venables. Um, Julie, uh, appreciate you asking. Uh, obviously, we, we got a, a diagnosis on, on June 16th that was uh, knock you off your feet and uh, one that, uh, you know, it takes me back to talking to my mother in January of 2005 and having a, uh, you know, a stage four uh, conversation. And, and one of those, that, you, know, you know, there's no, uh, you know, blueprint on how you handle that. But, uh, you know, you know, our real sanctuary and our, you know, true shelters, our faith and the power of prayer and so much support. And I appreciate everybody here that has reached out. You know, it's been um, you know, uh, nothing short of amazing, uh, the group of people that have, uh, helped in, uh, whether it's the doctors or, um, administration, my people I work with, our staff, our players, our players, parents, and certainly so many friends in the Sooner Nation. So it's been great. So she, uh, had a, uh, a surgery on Friday morning and, uh, we're hopeful that, um, we got everything and, uh, we're, we maybe, uh, can avoid, uh, you know, further, um, you know, treatments such as radiation and chemotherapy. We'll find that out in the next several days. But uh, we're, we, we think it's not in her lymph node, so that's a, a great thing uh, in, the, in that cancer world. So uh, right now it was, was contained, and, and so now we're trying to help strengthen her and get her back on her feet. So appreciate She's tough, and as I said, she's a honey badger. And uh, she's got a medical background as a former nurse, and so she she already knows the answer to the question. So get it get it right, Doc. And uh, <laughs> uh, so she's again, she's amazing. Good uh, good update. It sounds like, and I think we talked about this in hour three yesterday. But that push to pink out the first game is one that yeah. Let's just make it happen. Yeah, let's see if we can't make that happen. See if we can't get on board to make that a reality. Um, Oklahoma, does, I mean, there's not there's not a ton of promotional games that Oklahoma has to do because they're pretty much sold out anyway, but they do them in you know, tribute and in support. There's always a military game. There's 
you know, and in every sport, there's a breast cancer awareness game. So mm-hmm. I like the mock-ups that Miles Creative had done and everything looked really cool, but I thought that was the most heartfelt thing that we learned from yesterday. So what's well, your text when we come back? Which, by the way, Knippelmeyer Chevrolet brings you the text line 405-651-3439. Uh, I don't know much. Someone just sent us the link on the Kaiser, the Kaiser kid that had committed to Oklahoma yesterday, the edge rusher out of Edmond, Oklahoma. But uh, I, 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 any time you can bring an Oklahoma kid to the University of Oklahoma, count me in. Let's go, baby. I'm all about it. So we'll text next right here on The Ref. We got a lot of things percolating for the top five stories today, Josh Elmer. You, uh, the kicker for the Iowa Hawkeyes has been, pardon the pun, booted from the team because he was apparently gambling on Iowa games. Yeah. Yep, took the that. under at a game but cashed it. <laughs> I know. It's tremendous. But the Hunter Deckers one is probably of more interest for us. In a Cyhawk game, no less. Yeah, the right. Iowa, Iowa State game. Hey, so if I'm understanding yeah, that's, uh, Decker, that's not That's not good, good when you're on the team betting the under and, oh, by the way, you're the kicker. Right. And then Deckers apparently bet on a game he didn't play in, but he was using his parents' account. And the, uh, the, the revamped NCAA guidelines say – Loss of permanent permanent loss of eligibility. So, Plank, I'm gonna. I think he's done. I think, I think he's, he's done, done at Iowa State. It's big story number five. We'll hit it like right after the top of the hour. Plus, the NCAA, according to a report from Nicole Arbach, uh, had its business review done. Its business review. The Athletic. Uh, I'm sorry, the NCA, Nicole oh, Arabat from, from, from the, the athletic. athletic reported it right. Sorry. Like, well, they might, yeah, they might want to review something. The review identified the biggest challenges in front of college athletics and made some general suggestions on how to improve. We'll hit that in the top five stories of the day. Hmm. Um, I, I like this off the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line, 405-651-3439. Uh, Sugar Shane writes, as we look back on our – you know, two-day soiree into OU Football Media Day. I'm a little skeptical, and I'll be skeptical a little bit, but as soon as we hang half a hundred on Arkansas State, I'll be ready to run through ten walls and become the most insufferable person on Twitter. I I would say... Why, why you got to attack all of us? <laughs> I would say that Sugar Shane is probably in a large group that feels the same way right now, that... Everything they hear, it's like, gosh, man, I need to see it. But as soon as they roll through Arkansas State, it'll be the early part of the week. They're insufferable. And then by Wednesday, they'll reach this, yeah, well, we were, you know, 3-0 last year. So let's let's just wait. <laughs> so Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday, they'll be the guys that are just unbearable and gals. And then by Wednesday, it'll be like, yeah, you know, we, we still got some work to do. We that still got Look, that's going to be every single game if you're undefeated and you play well until you go down and, and do the same in the Cotton Bowl versus Texas. It just it is what it is. Um, Cam Osuna writes, can we get some cold fronts between now and the first game in a month? I'm asking for a friend. Cam Osuna, maybe. I, I would like some rain if that's possible. Just something. I'm still angry at all of you people in early July that were like, gosh, can we get any more rain? Yeah, yeah, we could have. We, we would have taken it. It is it is going to reach in Norman today, a high of 102. It's 1057 a.m., and it's currently 94 degrees outside, and it feels like 
a hundred. Oh my! So, oh my goodness. yeah, it's not. It's it's not. And by the way, just based on what I'm looking at here, uh, we're in the mid upper upper nineties uh, all the way. Oh, here on Monday, it's only ninety one. Monday only ninety one. I mean, that is a cold there front. There you go. There you go, Camo Sooner. 104 today, 102 tomorrow, 104 on cert day. We finished up with media days yesterday, and it was, you know, 3 o'clock or whatever. Oh, my God. Walked out to, to go to that uh, Jenkins parking garage. Oh, my God. It's like having to walk from the stadium to the parking garage. This is just terrible. Uh, I don't have the temperatures high dipping under 90 until August 30th with a projected high of 89. So that's that's, that's based off, on we... this thirty day forecast, there is only <laughs> there's only two days with any projection of precipitation. Now I don't know how far in advance they can project rain, but there you go. How accurate can we be now over the course that's, of a month? That is a good Dr. Kevin Clazel question. I heard from Dr. Kevin Clazel last night. Are we in full farmers almanac mode? I, I mean, guess can we so. basically predict the year? This is one of those moments where I feel like we need Mr. Sports to help us out. Sorry, Camo Sooner. I don't know how that, that's gonna work. And then softball wise, True asks, any word on how the Kelly Maxwell world turns? Well, we we know we've got another pitcher out of the portal that's that's no longer headed to Oklahoma or considering Oklahoma, Elena Vodder is on her way to South Carolina which is big for South Carolina because they needed <laughs> they needed pitching. That's but, sort of uh, but also an surprising choice, isn't it? Yeah, surprising. And I wonder, too, if the weight played a part in this, where places like Florida and Texas might be willing to say, ah, good luck. We like our youngsters, and if we can get Kelly Maxwell, we'll take that. But good luck at I South Carolina. I wonder if the name image likeness might have played a factor in I it. I wonder if that did, too. Some places are more well-positioned. Florida State's really well-positioned with NIL for softball right now. Maybe South Carolina is as well. Quick break. Top five stories today next.